Hello, everyone. It's Jerry at the Fledge, and welcome to season two, episode 19. Today, we are going to talk about U of M's Dr. Anderson story and uh, my uh, personal story related to that, what it was like to be a wrestler at the University of Michigan in 1980s and having to deal with uh, Dr. Anderson. So let me start out with the trigger warning. We are going to talk about sexual assault today. I am going to use terms that I am not comfortable with, I'm not familiar with, I'm going to say things that are wrong. Uh, please forgive me for that. And also, uh, my apologies to all of the people that I should have called this morning and told them this story. Uh, this is, uh, uh, you, you're going to walk away feeling bad if you listen to this, maybe. So pay attention to the trigger warning. And the other thing is, don't feel bad. Uh, I didn't talk about this much. And uh, nobody knew. It's nobody's fault. All of that stuff. So uh, please don't do that right now. Uh, let's just uh, talk through some things. And let's start out with uh, why I want to talk about it. Uh, or why I think I want to talk about it. I'm really confused and still processing quite a bit. But this morning, I woke up to a notification on my phone that uh, University of Michigan had settled the Dr. Anderson case with 1,050 uh, plaintiffs. Uh, no, not plaintiffs. Yeah, plaintiffs. Uh, by the way, Shannon's here to give me support. She's off camera, uh, but I love you, babe, and thank you for being here. Uh, 1,050 victims, survivors, I don't know what status we're in right now, uh, had settled the case with U of M, the regents and all of that. And I was just started one, I don't know, I didn't like the way I found out. Uh, the press release was supposed to go out at 10 a.m., but it went out uh, much sooner than that. So uh, my lawyer did eventually uh, respond to us as soon as she saw that so that she knew that we knew. Uh, but I got to thinking 1,050 people for over 60 years, this has been happening since the 1960s. What, what is the probability that we weren't talking about it? And what must people think about why this is all happening now? And what, what does this really mean to us, um, all of us that went through it? So I want to address some of that. And I'm going to deflect a lot. So I'm going to try to hide behind math and stuff like that. Uh, I'll try to make it as interesting for the, all of you on Spotify as I can. Uh, so let's talk about it a little bit. Dr. Anderson was a team physician um, involved in football and wrestling uh, for the most part. He was our team physician when I wrestled uh, for U of M in the 80s. I had a checkered career there. Uh, on and off throughout the four years that I was there. And I, I'm proud of my degree. I'm proud of what I did there. I'm proud of University of Michigan. I'm proud of the U of M wrestling team. Um, I'm proud of everything about that. But it does have a uh, 
a lot of trauma still associated with those years with me. And the reason I thought that it was important to talk about, you know, just the sheer numbers of people, you know, for 60 years, a thousand, and not 60 years, it was probably 45 years that he worked at the, the university on and off. And we all knew that something was happening, right? But we, we did two things. We internalized it. So we thought it was only happening to us. And so me as an individual, I thought I was the only one really going through it. But there was also the locker room chatter of, oh, I got to go see Dr. Anderson and people laughing and saying, having, have fun getting diddled or whatever. You know, that was constant and it was well known throughout the entire sports community, wrestling community and football community. And it was a joke to us. And it was something that we just couldn't talk about as individuals with each other because there's so much, you know, what, what the fear was is, you know, you'd be called uh, gay or homo or something like that. And again, excuse my language, I'm going to talk like they talked in the locker room. And it was always, it was always um, like if something was happening, it was your fault. And not just your fault, something's wrong with you. And if it's happening to you, you're probably not very valuable to the wrestling team or the university because it's probably not happening to the, you know, the bigger wrestlers or the, the people that are, you know, going to be champions or whatever or on whatever. And so it got very confusing as to what was going on. And it it was a joke and we all knew that it was problematic. Some of us did not want to go to that doctor. Some of us were introduced to him in, in settings outside of his medical facility, you know, more in an office looking to be part of a study and all kinds of different kind of predatory techniques. And, you know, I, I had a checkered, you know, history of wrestling at U of M. I don't know how much this played into it. It feels like a lot. It feels like, you know, I, I don't even know. Um, it's chaotic. One little thing that happened at U of M my freshman year could have caused uh, all of the chaos up until this point, maybe. I don't know. I can't figure it out. I don't think I'll ever resolve that. Uh, but I want to talk this through because what what I'm afraid of is how this culture got created, how 1,050 people didn't come forward until several years ago, though some of them were speaking openly about it for quite a long time, how, I guess, guilty I feel that I was one of the ones that was shading it, that wasn't talking about it, and how... If a thousand fifty of us kept it a secret that it was hard for us to talk about, imagine a single person who is assaulted and are they going to talk about it? I, I don't even know what the probability of someone coming forward is, but it must be extremely small. And I think about all of the victims and survivors and uh, again, I don't know the language to use yet. 
I think about how they sit there lonely, not knowing who to talk to, what to talk about. Did they do something wrong? Is this, uh, you know, are you going to ruin something? Are you going to ruin a culture? Are you going to ruin a sports team? Are you going to ruin a doctor's career? Uh, all the things that I worried about and how hard it is to come forward and talk about it. And today I, I do feel a little liberated with the settlement being done, the gag orders being out of the way. Um, and I, I feel like we should talk about this because I know that there's people out there who are victims of something. They haven't come forward. They're not getting the help. And I, I bet you there's a lot of us. And I bet you if I really break it down on why I do this show, it's all of us. It's all of us struggling with some trauma that we... I love you too, Raven. Um, dealing with some trauma that we, uh, we, we deal with in different ways. Some of us are workaholics. Some of us are alcoholics. Some of us are heroin addicts. Some of us are violent among or two others. Some of us uh, become the victim of everything. And every single one of us, we're dealing with some bullshit. And we walk around acting like we're tough and acting like we're not vulnerable and acting like everything's okay. And we just pour alcohol over it or we just do something harmful to ourselves and others about it. And in 2021, I said it was the year of vulnerability that our new strength doesn't come from our old strength. It comes from our weaknesses. It comes from the vulnerability that we recognize that we're open with and that we share. And I need some new strength. And so I'm going to be vulnerable. And I hope that one of you or two of you or whomever needs to can also recognize your vulnerability. And if you need to go talk to somebody, a counselor, a therapist, all of that, Please go do that and please start moving down a path that gets you to heal and gets you whatever you need to not have to just hide and numb and get rid of the pain by all means necessary. So, you know, go get some help. Talk to a counselor. Tell somebody. Um, I remember, you know, how this all came about right before COVID started was I, I, I say that I'm a Michigan wrestler somewhere on Facebook. So I get these Facebook ads. Are you a Dr. Anderson survivor? And, you know, I kind of delete them or get away from them for a, quite a long time. And then it kind of, you know, I, I started talking to Shannon. I had told her the story a long time ago, but she was the first person I ever told and the only person for uh, 40 years. And then there are some friends of mine who know about it now. There are some teammates that I talk about with this now. But, you know, it was very difficult to talk about to my best friend, to my wife, who we talk about everything. And it wasn't her. It was me. It was how it makes me feel 
to talk about it, how weak I feel right now, how vulnerable I feel. And I, I do not want sympathy. That would actually hurt me. Please don't do that. Um, what I do want is to show you that this is how it can be done. It doesn't have to be broadcast live. Sorry. Um, but we can talk about this. We are not weak because of this. We are stronger in a lot of ways because of this. And we, we've got to take this passion that it builds inside of us and make sure that we turn it in a positive and healthy direction for ourselves and for the rest of the community. So when I talk about this and I think about this, I think about, you know, uh, zero here has put, uh, you know, predatory behavior is leveraged by isolation. Community and trust provides a space for vulnerability and honesty. And I feel like in the whole health space, mental, physical, spiritual, we are taught to not talk about it with each other. And we are taught, you know, HIPAA and we can't do this and we can't do that. And they, they make it confusing. And then they force us to go to these medical delivery systems where, you know, you go to a hospital to get cured of something, but where do you go to prevent the things? Where do you go? Who do you talk to about, you know, your sore foot and how we might have a remedy right here? Everything's pharmaceuticals and medicine and technology. And we lost the human touch to it, the, the community part of it where, we don't trust each other. We don't want to tell each other, you know, if I, if I tell you I have a sore knee, you know, that's the, the side you're going to attack or something like that. And, you know, you can probably sense in some of my other shows that I have a disdain for the male dominated hierarchies that are built in our society. I hope today you understand a little bit more why I have that disdain, why I don't trust authority, why I take on authority, um, because the authority is what keeps this type of thing happening. It keeps everything smoothed out and everybody in their place. And the, we need to call this out. We need to continue to punch up and quit punching each other, punching down, punching sideways we got to stop. We've got to punch up and we've got to change this, uh, the whole way that this works. So I'm not telling a lot of my story. I'm not saying what happened to me. I'm not talking about money that I can't even fathom getting my hand, my, my head around what that even means. What, what am I, uh, it's all so weird. And I just want to shift focus for just a little bit more and then I'm going to stop this uh, show. We, we at the Fledge, we believe in harm reduction. A lot of that is motivated and comes from the death of my daughter, Daniela, who died of a fentanyl overdose and us starting an effort for harm reduction. And that we had the Fledge going before that. So we didn't start the fledge for that reason, but we did get into harm reduction for that reason. And, you know, I know that people, when they have a tragedy, 
they want to start a nonprofit, they want to start a uh, 5k run and all of these things. And then they get so that their whole life is consumed by that. And what I want to make sure I'm careful of starting today is that I don't try to reinvent something around this. But what I am asking is that if there are any organizations out there or people out there who want to work with us and want to do something about this problem, I do want to put energy and effort into us healing and us healing as a complete community together. Uh, you know, if Dr. Anderson was alive, I would advocate for him to be healed as well. I wish he would have been healed in the 60s or never had this in the first place. Um, you guys know I have a stance that we should not cancel people and we cannot throw people out of a community without some plan for them being healed. It's like trapping a, a lion in our community in a cage and taking that cage and putting it somewhere else and letting that lion go. I don't think we should do that. I would like to see us eliminate, prevent, heal predators because that is how we stop creating victims. If there's no predators, there's no victims and we've got to heal. Um, and I'm asking organizations who uh, uh, work in this space to please reach out to us if you want to have fundraisers, if you want to have events here, if you want to collaborate on something, if you want us to promote something for you, um, please, please, please reach out to us and we will, we will prioritize this and put effort behind this. But we will not be creating an organization around this. We'd rather help the people that are working on this space right now get stronger and help you do something about it and help you help us. That's how it's supposed to work. So thanks for listening to this today. Uh, thank you for sticking around. And there's nobody out there whose fault this is. Uh, please don't take it that way. Anybody that I might hurt uh, by telling this story like this instead. Love y'all. Uh, I hope you have a great day. And please do something nice for somebody else, especially if you're afraid of them, you're scared of them, you're disdained by them. Uh, do something nice for them because we're all carrying around a pile of cat turds. Love y'all. See ya.